0: Let us bow and pray to Almighty Yahweh. Father Yahweh, we come before you. We thank you for the blessings of the day. We pray that what we do in life would be pleasing to you. We pray that we would always strive to walk according to your ways, that we would be an example to others, that you would watch over us also, and that you would provide in our times of need. And Father, we thank you and we give you all praise in the name of your Son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. It is a um, blessing to see everybody here and I'd like to uh, welcome our guests southern Missouri uh, and uh, Ohio and other places so um also like to extend our welcome to those online don't want to forget about them or well, today I want to talk about the biblical new moon if the uh, slide here wasn't clear talk about the biblical new moon you know over the years we've talked about the importance of the new moon why we should be observing this time. But I don't believe we've ever given a Sabbath message on the new moon specifically, why it's important and uh, what we should be doing during this time. You know, as we're going to see today, the new moon was observed in the Old Testament, mentioned in the New Testament, and we see prophetic passages showing that it will be observed in the coming kingdom. While not a Sabbath, the new moon is a time to mark a new month. Most importantly, it's also a time of convocation, a time of fellowship, and a time of worship, as we're going to see in the Word. You know, we're going to see examples from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, also from the Millennium. So here's a short summary, a concise summary of what we're going to review today. Number one, we're going to review a key, a key passages along with the meaning of Kodesh, Kodesh, which Kodesh is new moon. Number two, we're going to talk about how the new moon was determined. It's kind of important to understand is how it was determined, what it was. Number three, uh, we're going to see some examples of the new being observed in the Old Testament. In fact, I had to sort of cut this message a bit short. Uh, I had a few other scriptures to uh, use, but I think we can um, see the examples. Number four, we're going to see one example of where Paul mentions a new moon in the New Testament. Maybe you know which passage I'm referring to. Most people misinterpret this, but we do see the new moon mentioned in the New Testament. And lastly, here, number five, we're going to review two examples showing in the kingdom that they're going to be observing the new moons during this time. So let's begin with Exodus 12. Exodus 12 is a really important passage, and here we find a, a key reference to the new moon so Exodus 12 1 through 2 says and Yahweh spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be unto you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you so what is the timing of this passage what do we know well we know this took place right before Israel was allowed to uh, go free from Egyptian bondage we know that we also know that as we see here Moses told Yahweh or Yahweh told Moses, I should say, that that this would be the beginning of months, that this would be the first month of the year for the Israelites. Now, we also see in this passage that this was also the month of the Passover, and that's one reason why the new moon is so important, because it does determine, and we're going to see as we go through this message, it also impacts the feast days. Now, where do we find the new moon mentioned here? Where do we see new moon? I see month. But where do we see new moon? Well, the word month comes from the Hebrew kodesh. And uh, kodesh has two different meanings. One is referring to the new moon, as in the new moon crescent. The other one is referring to a month from one new moon to another, generally is how it's defined. So here's a few references I want to share with you today so that we thoroughly understand kodesh and new moon and what it means. So, this is from Strong's 2320. This is Kodesh, and this is month. So, Kodesh from 2318, is a primitive root, the new moon, by implication, the month, month, or monthly, or new moon. So, that's the meaning of Kodesh as we find from Strong's. Now, 2318, it says Kodesh, and this is a primitive root. This is again where Kodesh derives from. It means to be new or to rebuild. And the King James translates this as to renew or, renew or to repair. So we see here that Kodesh is from number 2320 in Strong's and comes from 2318. Again, 2318 is a primitive root. Strong's 2320 defines Kodesh as new moon or as a month. And I mentioned also, again, that 2320 derives from 2318. 2318, Kodesh, a primitive root. And it means to be new or to rebuild. So again, Kodesh derives from Kadash. Kadash means to be new or to rebuild. So it's important that we understand this primitive root. You know, some believe that the new moon is the uh, conjunction or the astronomical new moon, as we also know. Where well, the problem is there's nothing to see with the conjunction. The conjunction is also called the black moon. Because, again, there's nothing to see, so it's just black. So the conjunction, the black moon, the astronomical new moon, these are all the same. And, again, the problem is there's nothing to see. You know, for me, what really defines a new moon is this primitive root, kadash. It means to be new or to rebuild. Or there's nothing new about the conjunction. There's nothing new about the astronomical new moon. There's nothing to see. Now, unlike the conjunction, the first visible new moon, Crescent, is new, and is in the process of rebuilding, as we know. You know, this is one reason why I believe that Kodesh, coming from Kadesh, refers to the new moon crescent. Well, let's continue on with our word studies for just a few more moments. Most of you probably are familiar with this next one, Jesenius, well-accepted source, Jesenius Hebrew Chalde Lexicon. Chalde is another word for, for uh, the, the Bab- Babylon or Babylonian. Uh, The new moon, it says, this is Kodesh, the day of the new moon, the calendar of the lunar month, which was a festival of the ancient Hebrews. So notice that, it was a festival of the ancient Hebrews. So we find here from Jusinius that Kodesh, again, refers to the new moon and also to a lunar month. We also see that Jusinius verifies an important truth. And that is that Kodesh also refers to a festival. It refers to a festival that the ancient Israelites would observe. You know, we're going to see evidence of this later in this message, how they would observe this time. And again, this is one reason why I'm giving this message. I really believe, and over time I've become more and more convicted of this, it's really important that we try and strive to observe the new moons. So that's part of my motivation today is to encourage everybody to observe the new moons. You know, many of us, we do a great job with the Sabbath, but for, for really too long, we've kind of been ignoring the new moons. You know, this is something that Yahweh commands, something that ancient Israel did, and I believe something we should be doing today. Now, we also see a definition for the word Kodesh and from the uh, Brown, Driver, and Berkshire Hebrew lexicon. It defines a kodesh as a new moon month, or monthly, just as we saw from Strong's. And the uh, subcategories here is our first day of the month, which would be, again, the first new moon crescent. And also the lunar month, so two different definitions for this word. You know, we saw both of these definitions from Strong's and also Jusinus, and we see them here. Now, Vines provides a more in-depth definition. I want to share that with you. So again, this is Vines. This is Kodesh, 2320, new moon month. This noun occurs about 283 times in biblical Hebrew in all periods. So in all periods of the text from very early on to late Hebrew, we find Kodesh, uh, 283 times. The Englishman's commentary, by the way, verifies that number. So as the word refers to the day on which the crescent reappears, notice that. The crescent reappears, so there's something we see. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon was come, the king sat him down to eat meat, 1 Samuel 20, 24. Isaiah 1, verse 14, which we're not going to look at today, but uses a word of of the uh, feast, which occurred on that day, your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. It goes on to say, Kodesh can refer to a month, or the period from one new moon to another. The sense of measure of time during which something happens, occurs, in Genesis thirty eight twenty four quote, and it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah. In a related nuance, the word refers not so much to a measure of time as to a period of time or a calendar month. These months are sometimes named, and we see Exodus 13, verse 4, and also a reference to a Genesis 7, uh, 7, verse 11, I'd like to spend just a few moments talking about what we find here from vines. You know, it's one of the most thorough definitions we find for Kodesh, again, coming from Kodesh. Number one, we see here that it occurs almost 300 times in biblical Hebrew from all periods, from, again, very early on and late Hebrew. Now, it also defines Kodesh in two different ways. It defines Kodesh in which the crescent reappears. So that's something we really haven't seen thus far. It's when the crescent reappears. That's very important to understand. And number two, to a month or to a period of time. You know, the truth about the crescent new moon is so important. And one of the reasons why it's important is because to understand the feast days, we must first understand the new moon. Because, again, they're, they're connected. They're connected. Now, I want to refer to one more encyclopedia and one more dictionary. Both, again, defining Kodesh and what it means. The first one is from the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Very well-known, good source. And here's how it defines Kodesh, or new moon. It says, Kodesh is uh, is strictly the, quote, new moon. The appearance on which marked the beginning of the month, commonly indicated by Rosh HaKodesh. Ruach is derived from Ruach. Moon, which comes from the verb that means to wander, to make a circuit, thus, The month was lunar, the period of the moon's circuit. So we see here that new moon, again, comes from the Hebrew Kodesh. We know that. And we also see here that this word refers to the reappearance of what? The new moon, the crescent, which marks a new month. Now, it says here that this time is called Rosh HaKodesh. What does that mean, Rosh HaKodesh? Rosh is head, ha is the... And Kodesh is month or new moon, so it's the head of the month, Rosh HaKodesh. You know, this literally, again, refers to the beginning of the month, the beginning, the head of the month. Now, we also see here that, now we should know this, but the confirms that the month is lunar, not solar, because, again, it's from one new moon to another. And that's really what what it's referring to when it says month. It's one, the time between the new moons. I want to share one more reference. Again, defining this word kodesh. So this is from the Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary. It says a month was a unit of time closely tied to the moon. The Hebrew word for month also meant moon. The reason for the connection between the month and the moon is that the beginning of the month was marked by a new moon. The moon was carefully observed by the people of biblical or Bible times when it appeared as a thin crescent. So here it defines Kodesh as a thin crescent. It marked, it says, the beginning of a new month. So what are some of the points we find here? Number one, we see that there's a connection, it says, between the month and the moon. It's kind of important to understand. I think we understand that. We also see here specifically that the new moon crescent begins a month. It's not the astronomical new moon or the conjunction of some believe. During biblical times, we see here that the new moon was observed, meaning they watched for it. We're going to get into that. We're going to more fully understand what it means to observe the new moon or observe the month. And lastly, here we find confirmation that the new moon, Kodesh, was the first visible thin crescent that we see in the skies. You know, based on this reference and many others we've looked at, there should be no question as to what the new moon is, what it represents. Again, it's this first visible crescent. We see within the skies that it it's not the astrono- astronomical new moon or the conjunction of some believe. I want to move on now and talk about how the new moon was determined. How the new moon was determined. So we find a really important passage. Deuteronomy 16 verse 1 is a crucial passage in reference to this. And it it's very short. where There's more to it. But really I want to focus on the first three words here. There it says, observe the month. Observe the month. Now the word month is from the Hebrew Kodesh. We've looked at that thoroughly. We should all all understand the meaning of this word. It refers to the new moon crescent. So the question is, how do we observe the month? How do we observe the month? Well, the word observe is from the Hebrew shemar. Shemar. It's really important that we understand this. You know, this word is a primitive root within the Hebrew language, and you can see the full definition on the screen, but Really, it means to uh, guard or to protect. That's what it means to guard or to protect. You know, and and how do we guard something? Well, the simplest way we guard something is we watch watch it. We watch it. In fact, in the uh, KJV, one of the trans one of the way it translates this word is to look narrowly. And you know, for those New Moon watchers that's been doing this for uh, some time, you know, uh, you have to look narrowly for the New Moon. In fact. In one of my eyes, I have a double stigmatism, and I can't often see the new moon. I can look, and Jennifer goes out, and she'll say, there it is, and she'll point, and I'll still look, and so I, I, I often can't see the new moon because I can't, I can't look that narrowly for it because my eyes uh, just won't allow for that. Now, sometimes I see it, but uh, I'm, I'm uh, sadly one of the last ones to generally see the new moon. You can always kind on Margie, though. She, she sees the uh, new moon. Pretty often, so how is a new moon determined? How is a new moon determined, or again, we know that the word shamar means to to uh, guard, and one of the way we, one of the ways we guard is by looking at and that is how we observe the new moon. that is how we determine the new moon we watch for it. You know one of the best sources I believe for this is from the new unger 's Bible dictionary. It defines it it elaborates how the Jews looked for the new moon during the time of the Messiah. So I'm going to read this um, explanation here. So it says, a mode of ascertaining the new moon. As the uh, festivals, according to the Mosaic Law, were always to be celebrated on the same day of the month, it was necessary to fix the commencement of the month. And again, how do we fix the month or recite the new moon? It goes on to say, this was determined by the appearance of the new moon the appearance of the new moon, not the astronomical calculation of the new moon, but the appearance of the new moon. goes on to say, for the new moon was reckoned not by astronomical calculation, but by actual personal observation. That is such a uh, important point to understand with the new moon. It says, on the 30th day of the month, watchmen were placed on commanding heights around Jerusalem to watch the sky. As soon as... Each of them detected the moon. He hastened to a house, in the city kept for this purpose and was there examined by the president of the Sanhedrin. When the evidence of the appearance was deemed satisfactory, the president stood up and formally announced it, uttering the words, it is consecrated. The information was immediately sent through the land from the Mount of Olives by beacon fires on the top of the hills. The religious observance of the day of the new moon may plainly be regarded as the consecration of a natural division of time. So we see here that the feast days, again, are tied to the months, and the months are determined by the new moon crescent. We also see here that the new moon was reckoned, it says, by observation and not by astronomical calculation. Essential to understand that point. It wasn't something that was calculated you know, without some sort of observation, some sort of way of physically seeing the new moon. This again shows that the conjunction of the astronomical new moon simply does not fit or is not in lined with scripture. You know, we also see here how the Jews would do it during the time of the Messiah in Jerusalem. On the 30th day, we see here that they would place uh, watchmen on the uh, hills, on these high points, And they would then watch for the new moon. Once the new moon was a scene, the observers would then go to the Sanhedrin, the president, and um, report the sighting. And once the president of the Sanhedrin was um, convinced, he would then consecrate the month by saying it is consecrated. This would then begin the new month. You know, after this, beacon fires were lit on top of the hills so that the surrounding communities would know that the new moon had been cited where we find another witness to how the new moon was determined from the Encyclopedia Judaica says this originally so notice this originally the new moon was not fixed by astronomical calculation now the Judaica is one of the most well-known and recognized sources in, in scholarship and here it says and confirms originally the new moon was not fixed by astronomical calculation it wasn't determined by the astronomical new moon. It wasn't determined by the conjunction. It goes on to say, but was solemnly proclaimed after witnesses had testified to the reappearance of the crescent of the moon. By the middle of the 4th century, the sages had established a permanent calendar, and the public proclamation of the new moon was discontinued. And uh, this is Hillel II. This is when they came out and, and solidified the, uh, the uh, modern Jewish calendar, which uses the astronomical, or uses the autumnal equinox to uh, really start with, because they start the year with a civil year, and then they use the conjunction or the astronomical new moon. But before this, we find here that according to the the, uh, Judaica, and again, which is one of the most recognized references within scholarship, that this was not the case. Originally, it says that the new moon was not fixed by astronomical calculation, now, the reason it says this is again, today's Jewish calendar is not based on observation. Today's Jewish calendar is astronomically calculated from beginning to end. This occurred, as we see from this, by the middle of the fourth century CE. After this, no longer did they use the crescent. You know, it's kind of interesting as a side note there's a group of uh, Jews that are trying to reestablish some sort of Sanhedrin. And uh, a while back ago, some of them went out and looked for the new moon crescent. And uh, there was an article about this. And, and uh, they commented how uh, how much more meaningful it was, seeing the new moon crescent versus simply looking at a calendar and, and seeing the conjunction or the new moon. And generally, by the way, when you look at a calendar and you see new moon it's a... You know, circle, black circle. Well, that's the astronomical new moon. That's not the biblical new moon. But we see here how the new moon was established. Again, it says that it was established by the actual appearance of the new moon crescent. And only later did the Jews deviate from using the crescent. I want to share one more reference with you. This one is from the works of Philo. And he describes the new moon in this way. He says, at the time of the new moon... The sun begins to illuminate the moon with a light which is visible to the outward senses. And then she displays her own beauty to the beholders. Now, This quote was again given by a man named Philo of Alexandria. He lived between 20 BCE and 5 CE, which means that he lived during the time of Yahshua the Messiah. Now, what do we know about Philo? Philo according to Wikipedia, he was a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher who lived in Alexandria. Philo used uh, philosophical allegory to harmonize Jewish scripture, mainly the Torah, with Greek philosophy. His method followed the practices of both Jewish exegesis and also Stoic philosophy. Now, even though I generally do not consult Philo with theological issues, he was an eyewitness as to how they would view and confirm the new moon. And here we find through Philo that they would observe the new moon crescent. It wasn't the astronomical new moon. They would look for the new moon. They saw the new moon. This is how they observed the new moon during the time of Yashua the Messiah. So Philo is a really important um, eyewitness and uh, testimony to how they would observe the new moon during Yahshua's time. Now I want to share a scripture that also gives us a little bit of insight to this. Psalms 104, verse 19, this says there, he appointed the moon for seasons and sun and the sun knows is going down. You know, a lot of people miss, they read this and they miss the significance of what we find here. It begins by saying that Yahweh appointed the moon for seasons. The word moon here is from the Hebrew Kodesh, moon, new moon, Kodesh. So how does the new moon define the seasons? You know, some of us may be thinking something like summer or winter or fall or spring. This isn't the seasons we find being discussed here. The Hebrew word for seasons is moed, moed. And as we know, moed generally refers to the biblical feast days. So we find here scripture confirming that the new moon determines the timing of Yahweh's worship his days of worship as the new moon crescent and again this is why it's so important that we understand this because if we don't have no way of determining the new moon or we have no way then of reckoning the month and we had no way of determining the feast days so it's very important that we understand this now it also says here that the sun knows it's going down or this is simply confirming that the sun marks the days so it's not complicated the moon marks the month right which gives us account, count, and then each day is marked by sunset, by the moon. I want to move on now and show some examples of how this day was observed in the Old Testament. Numbers 28, 11 through 15, this speaks about the sacrifices that occurred. And I wasn't going to read this, but you know, it's really amazing when we understand the sacrifices. We're going to see the differences between the new moon and the Sabbath. And I laid it in a chart so it's easy to understand, easy to recognize the significance. So Numbers 28, 11 through 15 says in the beginning of the months, this is the new moons, you shall offer a burnt offering unto Yahweh two young bullocks and one ram, seven lambs of the first year without spot and three that deals of flour for a meat offering or a grain offering. Mingled with oil for one bullock and two that deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil for one ram and a and a several a tenth deals of flour mingled with oil for a meat offering unto one lamb. And a burnt offering of a sweet savor. A sacrifice, sacrifice made by fire unto Yahweh. And their drink offering shall be half an hen of wine unto a bullock. And the third part of a hen unto a ram. And a fourth part of a hen unto a lamb. This is the burnt offering of every month throughout the months of the year. So they would do this every new moon. It says, and one kid of the goats for a sin offering unto Yahweh shall be offered besides the continual burnt offerings, and his drink offerings. So again, these are the sacrifices that were offered on new moon. So I want to contrast this now with the Sabbath. So this is a Sabbath, Numbers twenty eight, nine through ten. It says, on the Sabbath day two lambs of the first year without spot, and two tenth deals of flour for a meat offering mingled with oil and the drink offering thereof. This is a burnt offering of every Sabbath besides the continual burnt offerings and his drink offerings. So this was, this is, these are the offerings that were offered during the weekly Sabbath. So let me show you just on a chart here real quickly. So the sacrifices for the new moon was two bullocks, one ram, seven lambs, one goat. The offerings for the Sabbath was two lambs. Now somebody pointed this out to me years ago that there were more sacrifices on the new moon than on the Sabbath. But I've never gone back and I've never looked to see exactly how many more sacrifices were offered on the new moon. To me, it's a remarkable thing to recognize that there were so many more offerings offered during the new moon. So again, two bullocks, one ram, seven lambs, one goat. That's for the new moon. For the weekly Sabbath, it's two lambs. So many, many more offerings were offered on the new moon. Now, I don't believe that this supersedes the importance of the Sabbath. But what I do believe is it shows the significance of the new moon. It shows how important the new moon is. You see, Israel had to come and they had to make these offerings. And it shows that this day is important based on Yahweh's word. So this is the reason I really bring this out. I wanted to review the offerings because it shows that there's something very special about the new moon. There's something very special about the new moon with the sacrifices we find here. Well, I want to continue on Numbers 10, verse 10. We find a reference to the new moon here. It says, "Also in the days of your gladness and in your solemn days, in the beginning of your months, you shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be to you for a memorial or remembrance before your Elohim. I am Yahweh your Elohim." Now, this passage is speaking about the silver trumpets. We're, we're probably all aware of, of this passage. Yahweh told Israel to make two trumpets. Now, we know that these trumpets were used for many things. They were used for the calling of assemblies. They were used for war. But we also see here that they were used for solemn days. It says here, referring to the feast days and also the beginning of months. So we find here a connection between the feast days and the new moon. Now, we see this all through our scriptures. It's amazing. Going through this and preparing this message, I wasn't wasn't aware of how often we see a connection between the feast days and the new moons. So let's talk about what these days share in common and also how they differ. You know, both are times of fellowship and worship. And again, that's one thing I want to impress upon everybody here. These are times of fellowship and worship. And this is why, locally, we're going to try to do better with the new moons. And I'm going to really encourage everybody locally to be here for the new moons. And I understand not everybody can, and it's not a high day or a holy day. And, in fact, that's really the difference between the new moons and the feast days. The feast days are high days, or at least some of the feast days. There's some exceptions there, but there are high days or holy days. Now, this, this restricts work. It also uh, prohibits buying and selling and a few other things. So we know that the new moon allows for both of these items. So while the new moon is a time of convocation, it's a time of coming together, it's a time of worship, it's not a high day in the sense of restricting work or buying and selling. Now we see an example of the new moon moon being observed in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 20 verse 5, it says, and David said unto Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is a new moon. And I should not fail to sit with the king at meat, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field unto the third day at, at even or at sunset. So we see here that, that during the new moons, David would do what? David would sit with the king. He'd have dinner with the king. So we see that this example shows that the new moon is a time of fellowship. It is a time of convocation. It is when David and the king would again come together you know, as a minister, I believe that this is important, as I said, and, and uh, I believe that we can, we can, many of us can improve upon this, including myself, and I'm going to really try to make an effort here at this ministry locally to do better, and I would encourage everybody to really take it to heart and, and to uh, view it as you would the Sabbath in some ways. They're not the same, not quite, but, but certainly the new moon is a time of fellowship and is a time of worship, as we find w- within the word. I want to share one more example of the New Testament. This one's from uh, Psalms 81, verse 3. It says, Blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on a solemn feast day. Now, the uh, NIV renders this a bit differently. It says, Sound the ram's horn. That's what we do during the new moons here. Sound the ram's horn at the new moon, and when the moon is full on the day of our feast. So we find the, here that Israel was to uh, blow the trumpet, blow the shofar, during the new moons. And that's what we do as well. You know, this is similar to what we find in Numbers 10, verse 10. Now the phrase, time appointed, is, is, is important to understand. This phrase comes from the Hebrew kaseh, refers to the full moon, to the full moon or to a festival. And this is why the NIV and many other translations will uh, say when the moon is full or full moon. Now, based on this, some will say that the full moon is the new moon. The problem is, as we have already seen through the Hebrew word kodesh, the new moon is the first visible crescent, not the full moon. You know, other translations rightfully point out that there's a connection here between a point of time or full moon and feasts. You know, the two major feast days we find within the word, you know, that being unleavened bread and also tabernacles, when do they fall? Where scripture says that we're to keep them on the 15th day of the month in both cases. Where the 15th day of the month is right around the full moon. And that's really what we find here. That's the time appointed full moon. It's referred to the feast days, those times when they fall around the full moon. I want to transition now and talk about the one example we find in the uh, New Testament so Colossians 2 verse 16 how many people knew that? Colossians 2 verse 16 raise your hand if you knew that or we have three I was thinking we would have like 90% here Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 refers to the new moon as we see so it says let no man therefore judge in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days so we find here Paul saying that We're not to allow people to judge us on these items, including the new moon. Now, most believe that Paul is saying here that we're not to allow people to judge us on our freedom with these days. In other words, these times are no longer required. They're no longer needed. And that's how most understand what Paul is saying here. But this is a gross, gross misunderstanding of what Paul is conveying to the assembly. Paul is saying that we're not to allow those outside the assembly to judge us on the observance of Yahweh's word, whether that be dietary food laws, or whether that be the Sabbath, or whether that be, as we see here, the new moon. So Paul refers here to the new moon, and not in a negative way. Most, again, will say he's referring it to a negative way, saying that we're not to uh, worry about the new moon. No, Paul's saying, don't let those outside the assembly judge you in these things, including in your observance of the new moon. Isn't that amazing? We find an example in the New Testament of where the assembly was observing the new moon. Why else would Paul say this? What, what would be the point of Paul saying, let no man judge you about the new moon if they were not observing these days? But the fact that we find it mentioned shows that this time the new moon was being observed also by the New Testament assembly. And again, this is such a vital point, such an important point that we recognize that this day was being observed by the apostles, by the apostles. We also see again here, in addition to the new moon, the Sabbath and the feast days are mentioned. So you see, both of these times, all of these times are times of convocation, they're times of fellowship, they're times of worship. But again, they are different in other ways. So I want to close... With two passages, both prophetic passages, showing that the new moons will be observed in the coming kingdom. The first one is Isaiah sixty six twenty three. I would, if you don't know this by heart, I would not, not, not the uh, not everything here, but just the book, chapter, verse. I would really encourage you to remember Isaiah sixty six twenty three. It is such an important verse, scripture to um, to remember. So it says here, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship Yahweh or worship before me, saith Yahweh. So we see here that all flesh in the millennium will come together and worship Yahweh. It says from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another. We see here that the new moons and the Sabbaths will be required by everybody in the millennium, in the coming kingdom. You know, as, I've already, as we've already seen, the new moon uh, was observed in the Old Testament. It was observed in the New Testament, Colossians 2.16. And it will be observed in the millennium when Yahshua returns. He's going to reestablish worship. And part of that worship is going to be the new moon crescent. It's going to be marking the month. So why should we not be doing that? Today, as an example, we should be. One more passage here, Ezekiel forty-six verses one and six. It says, "Thus saith my sovereign Yahweh: The gate of the inner court that looks toward the east gate shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be. Uh, it shall be a young bullock without blemish, and six lambs and a ram; they shall be without a blemish. So again, we see here that the new moon will be observed in the kingdom, just as we saw in Isaiah 66, verse 23. It says here that the gate of the inner core, the east gate, is going to be opened during the Sabbaths and new moons. New moons. Showing again that the new moons are not just simply times that begin a new month, but the new moons are also times of worship. They will come into the temple and they will worship Yahweh during the new moon. You know, as a believer, if we're convicted about the weekly Sabbath, I believe that we should also be con- convicted about the biblical new moon. Again, while the Sabbath and new moon differ in some ways, they share two things in common. They are both times of convocation and times of fellowship. So I would encourage all those listening and all those here to really make an effort to observe the new moon. We're going to try to do better here at this ministry, we're going to be doing this once a month. So if you're local, I would encourage you to really, really take this to heart, to try to be here for the new moons. Now, I understand that can't happen every month. But I'm going to try to make a commitment for myself that I'm going to be here every month. Now, hopefully, hope I can fulfill that commitment. But I would encourage everybody here to try to do the same.